Who am I? Hi, I said cheerily into the phone. It was my friend Tina. We'd grown up together in and out of each other's homes as kids and the friendship endured though we were in different cities now and didn't meet much. We'd always been able to pick up our connecting leads easily. We may not be in touch for days or weeks, but when we spoke again, it would be at full steam instantly. Where are you? Are you at home? She asked, and I heard a weary tone in her voice. I assured her I was. Okay. I have to tell you something. You need to sit down. And the weariness had ramped up a hundred times. I assured her I was sitting down. I don't know whether I should tell you this or not, and I've been agonizing over it for ages, but I finally decided I can't just let it go as if it's not happening. I have to at least tell you. After that it's your decision. I'll understand. Whatever you decide. By now, my nerves were screaming. All this un-Tina-esque beating around the bush. Why didn't she just say what she had to say and be done with it? Spit it out, Tina. I commanded her gruffly. All my initial cheeriness evaporated. I heard her take a deep breath. I saw your mom today. I know where to find her if you're interested. I heard every word. But I didn't say a thing. I couldn't. I just put the phone down slowly and carefully. I could feel the strong press of the past on my chest and I just sat there and let it press and push until it tumbled me base over apex right into it. I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for Tina. I owe her everything. She saw me through the worst days of my life. When my mother walked out of our family, just disappeared out of our lives. We went to school in the morning. She packed our lunches and sent us off as usual. Nothing extra. No tight hug, no special message. No different than every day. When we came home, there was an envelope on the kitchen table addressed to the three of us and another one to dad. Ours said, I'll always love you, but I must go. You will manage. You are all strong. Love always, mum. Eighteen words. Six words each. No explanation. We'd been a normal suburban family. Our parents, my two brothers and I. We fought and argued and loved exactly like every other family we knew. And she'd just upped and left. It was beyond comprehension. We summoned dad, one of us, I don't know who. He read his letter. He never revealed its contents. It wasn't much longer than ours. In the days and weeks and months and years that followed, we all travelled our personal journey from bewilderment through rage 
acknowledgement that it had happened and we had to accept it, to finally packing it away in some dark corner of our minds and getting on with every day. I don't think you can have your mother walk out on you as a child and ever get over it entirely. You deal with it, but the wound is just scabbed over and the scab can be easily ripped off. It was ripped off now and streaming its poison back into me. In those terrible days, when our lives just dropped off a cliff and we struggled to make it through every day without the anchor of mum at home, Tina was my refuge. She remained unchanged. She called me over but also came to our house. She never changed how she spoke of her family nor how we talked of mine, except we didn't talk of mum since she wasn't there. She never asked any questions. She never offered any solutions. I put on my everything normal face for her and slowly the everything normal leached into my soul and that became my new normal. My dad was there of course and my brothers but all of us were grappling with our own demons and the new practicalities of making this family work. Simple things like cooking, washing up, doing the shopping, the laundry, scheduling. We all had to pitch in and do our bit. We coped because no one wanted to add to anyone else's burden. But it was immeasurably difficult. Remember, they are all male. They may have processed it differently. I was, am, the only female. Tina became my rock. Just a girl herself, but her unchanging sameness in a world where everything had gone topsy-turvy made her more critical to my survival than she can ever know. I've thanked her many times, told her what she meant to me. I've said I wouldn't have made it through without her. She accepted my gratitude, said it had felt like the right thing to do at the time and then carried on normally. Never sought any advantage or presumed on anything, never brought it up of her own accord, never changed in any way. Typical Tina. I had to call her back. But what could I say? Still, I had to call her back. She picked it up before the first ring was rung. I'm sorry, I really am. I know it's worse than terrible, but how could I not tell you? That would be to treat you as a child still. She burst out with that and then fell silent, breathing raggedly, leaving me to accept the absolute truth of what she'd said. After a long silence, I spoke up. I agreed with her. She had to tell me. But I didn't know what I should do. So I had to think. It might take ages to sort out in my head. She knew my dad had passed. My brothers were both abroad. I'd have to figure it out for myself. But yes, she'd been right to say whatever else. I could hear the sob in her voice as she apologized. She knew it was a massive shock. She knew it was brutal. She knew I'd never forgiven my mum and she hoped I'd forgive her. Nothing to forgive, Tina. You did the right thing. Now I've got to work out what is the right thing for me to do. I'll be in touch. And I put the phone down again. I don't know how long it took for me to call her back after that. But one day I did. 
I needed more information. Where had she seen her? Was Tina seen? How was she? Stuff like that. And the information brought new dilemmas. She was old, of course, but also ragged, destitute, probably homeless. Came three times a week to a soup kitchen where Tina volunteered. She never looked up, just shuffled along with her eyes grasping for that life-giving bowl. She'd not even seen Tina, let alone recognize her. She was pretty sure of it. Tina herself had been terribly unsure because she was so ravaged. She'd asked someone to find out her name and that had settled it. I won't say I rejoiced, but I don't deny I felt vindicated that she was so sadly reduced. She had no idea how reduced we'd been after she'd walked out on us. She hadn't given a damn how reduced we'd be. She'd just thought of herself and gone leaving only those 18 cold words to give us succor. We'd almost drowned. Dad never recovered. He limped to his death a broken man. My eldest brother chose not to have kids in case he or his wife were ever constrained to let them down, as he'd been. My middle brother hates all women, excluding only me. And I never got married, never even let anyone get close enough to consider marriage. I had her genes. I could never forget that. Four lives blighted by her selfishness. Of course she should suffer. She jolly well deserved to suffer. I pushed myself to make my difficult decision. Occasionally, Tina and I would phone each other. She was back to her sameness. She was waiting for me to take a step or no step, whatever, It was up to me. If I brought up the topic, she answered. Yes, she still came three times a week. No, Tina had not spoken to her. No, she did not know she'd been recognized. No, Tina had no idea where she went from the soup kitchen. Did I want her to check it out? Okay, she would sit tight. At last, I made up my mind about at least one thing. I had to see my mother myself. And I booked a flight. I can't tell you how many times I almost cancelled it. Almost didn't go to the airport. Almost didn't board the flight. Almost decided I would just spend the time with Tina and come back. Until I got into the car and actually went there. We'd agreed that I was to hang around at the back somewhere and just take a look, not get involved in the actual serving or anything. I'd just be Tina's friend, in town, for a visit. I recognized her instantly. Though how I could recognize her at all is incomprehensible. She didn't look the same, or walk the same, or dress the same, yet I knew, at once, she was completely broken. In body and spirit, absolutely down and out. Those three meals a week she ate there were probably the only decent thing she ever ate. I didn't feel anything for her as my mother and brought so low. We'd been brought low too by her departure. But we were never as bad as this, the four of us. We'd had each other and we'd pulled through whatever our scars. 
what I did feel was unemotionally sorry for her pitiable condition, as one would feel for a stranger. I watched her, but did nothing. Got into the car and went back with Tina. I never said and she never asked. But I went again the next time and the next. I chewed over the dark, dark days in my head. How we'd all been so knocked down. How we'd striven to get up again and pull each other up. How it had brought us closer and driven us further apart. How terrible it had been. And how wonderful it had been before. I could feel our happy home surrounding me again, something I hadn't let myself do since the day she left. I could hear the music she always had on in the kitchen. I could smell the food she could easily rustle up. I could feel her hug as I ran out to the school bus. I could recall how we all turned to her for solutions and how she always provided them. I could see her looking tiny and tidy beside Dad's big, messy frame. I could feel the motherness of her. And I shook myself violently out of it. All that was gone. It could never be again. I left Tina and flew back home. Tina never said a word. I phoned my brothers. I told them what had happened. I told them I still hadn't decided what to do. My middle brother? You can guess what he said before he slammed down the phone. My eldest brother wanted to come to me immediately, or for me to come to him. I said no. I was going to make this call alone, though I still didn't know what it was going to be. Option A, do nothing. Forget about her. She didn't deserve any better. Option B, approach her. Tell her she'd been discovered. Pass on essentially my middle brother's message. She certainly deserved that. Option C, approach her and reconcile. I didn't know how I could do that. And she certainly didn't deserve it. Soon enough, I was back at Tina's, watching her surreptitiously from the back of the soup kitchen. Be kind, I told myself. After all, she's a human being. Not just any human being. My mother. But that makes it worse. It's easier to forgive strangers than one's own. She's hardly my own anymore. Ha! Hasn't been for decades. In that case, she's a stranger. And I should find it easy to forgive. But she's not a stranger, is she? She is my mother, for better or for worse. And I'm her daughter. So am I better? Or am I worse? I have to determine who I am. It comes down to that, doesn't it? Not who she is. Who I am. And that's how the decision finally gets made.